just want to extend my welcome to all of you sitting here. It's great to see you. Also, everybody that's watching uh, through the camera as well. And I can't tell you how how emotional it was um, as I got dropped off in the car park to hear the worship band practicing and hearing praises to God echoing down the street. Um, I can't wait till we're all back together, but it won't be long. And it's great to be here as family. It's great to be worshipping together as best we can. Uh, and how emotional it is, just to, I thought the worship was beautiful. I think they did a great job. It's really difficult um, with the restrictions that we've got. And they make themselves very vulnerable. I'm so grateful to the whole team. Uh, but I was lost in that worship. So thank you for that. And thank you to God for his presence here with us this morning, which is assured. So that's my welcome. Um, this is a communion service, and it's also as we uh, wrap up our mini-series, a four-parter. Uh, you don't have to be an expert to guess why. It's four Gospels and one Jesus. And this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at John. So I'm going to briefly explain a bit about John's Gospel. And I've picked a passage, which may not surprise you, uh, the one I've picked. Um, and then we're going to look at that together and then lead us into communion. Next week... Um, we're going to have an open invitation for people to join us. Uh, There will be a booking system. We will get an email uh, out as soon as we can, hopefully tomorrow or Tuesday. At the moment, we've got space for 58 chairs, but we think we can increase that to around 80. But we're we're just looking at various options. So bear with us, doing the best we can. They're going to be all aid services running up to the new guidance Uh, Hopefully we can all meet together without restrictions at the end of July. So next week, it's all age, and it is all age. There should be something for everybody, not just a kids' service with with adults attending or an adult service with kids attending. We'll try and make it relevant to everybody, Um, and we've got those just for the foreseeable future, just for ease of people movement. So hopefully that's uh, very clear. So what can we highlight about uh, John's Gospel? The first thing to think about, the first three that you've heard, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they're known as the Synoptic Gospels. The reason they're called the Synoptic Gospels is there's a lot of similarities in them. There's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of the stories that are told in all three. Whereas John's Gospel kind of stands alone. Um, six of the eight miracles, although we know there are loads more because at the end John said there's too many to be recorded, but six of the eight miracles that are found in John, are only found in John's Gospels. Um, In fact, over 90% of what's recorded in John is only in this Gospel. So it kind of just stands alone a bit from the other three synoptic Gospels. It's been called the theological Gospel. Um, The theology behind this whole Gospel is John is seeking to show that Jesus is the Son of God and that the offer of eternal life is for all who choose to believe and follow him. Eternal life, that's the future, but also life in all its fullness now, can only be found, John is saying, in one person, and that is Jesus Christ. So many people searching elsewhere for all sorts of different things, but life in all its fullness can only be found in one person, and that's Jesus Christ. And he says in John 20, 30-31, he says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John was a fisherman. Uh, He's been known as John the Evangelist because this gospel seems to be written for new Christians and those searching for the truth. It's why a lot of evangelists use this gospel in their evangelism. He highlights the need to be born again, which is the passage we're going to look at. 
And what is born again? New life, new starts, new purpose. It's like if you, if some of you are old enough to remember black and white TVs, I can remember them. It's like when I gave my life to Christ, I saw the world in colour for the first time. It, it, something changes and you see the world through the eyes of God. Now John was an apostle, he was, uh, we know he's the son of Zebedee, brother of James, uh, both called sons of thunder, we know uh, he was given to a little bit of anger, so God had a bit of work to do with him. Uh, do with him. Uh, along with Peter and James, he was one of the inner three closest to Jesus. Uh, it's written after the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70 and before John's exile to Patmos, so probably between 85 and 90 AD. And John, in his Gospel, shows us Christ's identity from the very start. He makes it plain from the very start, calling Jesus the Word of God. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this is the theme of the Gospel. Jesus is God. There's a high doctrine of the Trinity. You can say that to the JWs when they knock on your door. We believe in the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God three and one. And then we've got the great sayings in John's Gospel, the ones that point to Jesus, that show that he is the Son of God, he is God. He is part of the Holy Sacred Trinity, he is the Word, he is the one and only, he's the Lamb of God, the Bread of Life, the Way, the Truth, the Life, the Resurrection and the Life. John is showing you and showing me that basically everything in life, everything is found in him. And life, from my experience, and I'm sure yours, makes no sense without him. Even when you don't understand what's going on, even when you haven't necessarily know what the answer is, even if you've got your questions and you've got nowhere to really go with them, the answer is Jesus, even if you don't know the answer. It's putting your faith and trust in him, even when we don't understand. I have to put my faith in him, even when things are not as I think they should be. And whatever life throws at you, whatever life gives you, even now and even ahead and what's just gone past with the COVID, life is found in him. That's the theme of John's Gospel. So the passage I'm going to read is uh, the story of Nicodemus in John chapter 3, found in verse 1 to 21. Nice big chunk of scripture from this sacred book. And we've got Nicodemus here, He's he's a very learned man. Kind of knows Jesus is someone special, but he hasn't quite got it. So he comes in the darkness to ask questions. So, John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born again when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. 
You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has gone into heaven. Sorry, no one has gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has only not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been through God. So a big chunk of scripture, and uh, as we lead into communion, let's just explore that a few, a few, uh, a few things uh, that come out from there. Dialogue with Nicodemus. This is what we've been showing. He's an educated man. He's got questions. Uh, loads of people out there have questions about Jesus. He's not sure about him. It's just the same today. Some don't know who Jesus was and is. John is at pains to say he is God. This is God himself walking among us. Billy Connolly um, once famously said, I don't believe in Christianity, but I believe Jesus was a wonderful man. Um, he can't be a wonderful man if he's telling us lies. He, he, Billy Connolly has got a misconception about Christ, and so many people have that to this day. We're not sure why Nicodemus comes in the night. It could possibly reflect the state of his own heart, or he just wants to do, does it in secret. Uh, maybe he didn't want to be seen with Jesus. Uh, maybe he's in that school that doesn't mind being around Sunday but don't bother me the rest of the week he's got questions maybe we don't really know but over the years I've noticed that people uh, can give me a bit of a ribbon about my Christian faith it doesn't particularly bother me uh, anymore but a lot of the time the ones who have the most vocal voice come to me when no one else is there and says actually tell me a bit more Um, when they're really when they're really um, teasing you um, actually they kind of want to know uh, it's like when I was at school. I remember being at school, um, and, uh, and they said people can be prefects, and I thought that might be good on the old CV um, when I leave school. But if you was a prefect at my school, you got beaten up, so I wasn't really too keen um, about that. So I kind of dropped, and especially if you asked to be a prefect, so I kind of dropped hints to the teacher and said, oh, I wouldn't want to be a prefect. Well, are you saying you do want to be a prefect? No, no, I definitely, definitely wouldn't want to be a prefect. Are you only saying that? You're only saying that. Um, and actually I would, I did want to be a prefect because I wanted it on my CV but I didn't have the courage to actually say it so many times people come to me they might ridicule being a pub or club, whatever it is but actually when no one's looking they want answers about Jesus now Nicodemus wasn't an ordinary citizen he was a religious Pharisee he knew his stuff he was a leader of the Jews uh, a Sanhedrin Uh, on the religious front he had all the qualifications he was right up there And then Jesus begins to tell him in so many words, it's not about your religious knowledge, it's about a relationship and knowing God. 
Nicodemus's life would have been involved studying the law, obeying the law. He would have been an expert. Always reminds me that experts built the Titanic and a novice built the ark. So you, you can leave that to yourselves to work out who you should be listening to. But there he is asking questions. It looks like he's trying to keep a semblance of authority. Verse 2, he says, as if, I don't know how he said this, but it's like, well, we know you're a teacher. We know you're a teacher from God. And he's alluding to the miracles that Jesus has performed. He hasn't asked a question yet. He's letting Jesus know that I kind of know you're special. And Jesus stops him in his tracks, doesn't he? He says, verse 3, well, I'll tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. It's like, boom. You know, if I had a mic, I'd drop it. Not really. I'm only joking. We're going to get this new equipment soon. I won't be dropping anything. But do you know what I mean? It's, it's right between the eyes. You know, you've got all your stuff, Nicodemus, but I'm telling you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. It must have hit him right between the eyes. Big religious leader. Years of studying scripture, but he hadn't grasped it. He had missed the point. And there are people in churches all over the world this morning who are as lost as Nicodemus. They have all their head knowledge, but no heart knowledge. They know the rules, they don't know the love. And that was me in my early days. I remember studying and studying and studying. And I remember saying to Andrew, I've got it all in my head, it just cannot make this journey. And that's the work of God. Loads of people getting involved with church, but not with Christ. Doing good, but no Christ. Struggling with no Christ. Doing great, but with no Christ. And we need Christ. That's the theme of John's Gospel. Nothing without Jesus. Nicodemus was asking questions about religion. And Jesus is saying, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. Being born again is a God thing. It's about the grace of God, not the grace of people. It's not about what we do, although we will be changed, but about the grace of God. And Nicodemus... And it's easy to judge him, but I wonder if I would have been struggling. How, how can you go back in your mother's womb? Maybe that's the sort of thing I would pop up and say. He says, verse 4, How can a man be born again when he's old? Surely he can't enter his mother's womb for the second time. If I was with Nicodemus at that, I would have gone, fair point. What is the answer? They can't go back in. I don't even want to think about that. Jesus answers him in verses 5 to 8. You must be born of water, baptism, and the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. It's a whole new birth. Nicodemus, he's still confused. Verse 9, you can see it there. Well, how can that be? Jesus says, I don't know if he's mocking or not, verse 10, you are Israel's teacher and you don't understand these things. He had the head knowledge, he didn't have the heart knowledge. He knows the scripture, but he can't apply them. Ezekiel 36, a great prophecy, Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27, references this new experience of cleansing to come. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. This is the important thing. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. goes from the ought to to I want to. I've said it a few times recently. I love this saying. I've plagiarised it. I can't remember who from, but I thought it was good. If you get caught up in the religion and the rules, you're worried about breaking God's law. Okay, but faith is you're more concerned about breaking God's heart. I want to please God because I love God, because he loves me. That's another theme that runs all the way through John's Gospel. God is love. He loves you. He gave his son for you because he so loved the world and he tells us to love each other and him back. Credentials of being born again. Let's have a look, see if Nicodemus had them. We know the answer. First of all, morals. Well, he had morals. 
If anyone deserved eternal life that John's speaking about, it was him. But these passages remind us that that salvation is not about human effort. He had position, he was in high standing, maybe that's good enough. He had, he had a big high position in the religious field, well respected. Being a pastor though doesn't save you. Being a Sunday school teacher doesn't save you. Being a member of a church doesn't save you. Being a born again is not about positions. Popularity, the actual name Nicodemus, means well-liked or popular. He was recognised as a spiritual leader, respected in his community. But being born again is not about popularity. Maybe it's prestige and piety. Nicodemus had both. He would have spent his life fasting, praying, studying scripture. But he was still lost because he hadn't been born again. It isn't about prestige and piety. John 3, 16, 18, the most often quoted verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Verse 16, God so loves the world. And with all the stuff that's going on, uh, we're being reminded that no matter what country you're in, everybody needs a vaccine. Everybody is part of humanity. He loves the world. doesn't just love Little Essex or England or the UK or Europe. or it's, it's, He loves the world. And so we have a, a, a duty uh, to look at the world because God loves the world. He loves, him, loves the world so much he sent his son to die for the world. That's everybody. He wanted to save the world, not condemn the world. People just have to believe in him. So verse 16, he loves the world, he gives his son. Whoever accepts him has eternal life. And not just for eternity, but life in all its fullness now. Why wait until that moment when you will see God face to face, when you can know him now? We can know him now. Katie read Psalm 23, Psalm of David, and... uh, and it says there, doesn't it, the Lord's my shepherd. That was an that was a, a incredible thing for David to say because in those times Israel worshipped God corporately. To say the Lord is my shepherd is really personal. My Jesus, my saviour. It's really personal. And verse 17, we're told he didn't come to condemn but to save. My saviour. But 18, if you choose not to, then there's no hope. It's about accepting what Jesus has done for us, and living that out. Of course we don't feel we're worthy. Of course we don't think we're good enough. That's why he came. Because he pays that price. Ephesians 2 verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. If you're here and you're believing, you think, oh, did I push that? Did I push the envelope a bit? Did I just... You're here because God has called you here. Not just to this place. You're here as a Christian, as you stand as a Christian. It's because God has called you. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Being born again is an act of God. And that's why whenever somebody gets saved, it's a miracle. We get new life, the spirit within us, and it begins to change us. And that's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. That's the plan that God has for us. The words Jesus told Nicodemus have become known as the gospel in a nutshell. For God so loved the world. You might be thinking, come on in, we know all this. And I, Actually, when I went through this sermon this morning, I thought they know all this. 
But John was the evangelist. This is what he, this is what he was about. He was calling people to God. Or maybe you're like Nicodemus, and you've heard this a lot of times, and like you'll find towards the end of the gospel, he was there right at the end. I wonder if he's still questioning who Jesus really was. Maybe you're still worried about whether you're good enough to get into heaven. I can tell you the answer now. You're not. But Jesus is. And he died for you. And this is what we're remembering this for. He paid the price. You know, in John's Gospel, it says that Jesus intercedes for us. I was reading a book recently. It blew me away. And it said, um, it said, what does that mean, Jesus intercedes? He's constantly interceding. It's every single time, even though I come and say sorry, every time I screw up, he's interceding. Forgive him. Forgive him. Forgive him. It's constant. It's constant. He's pleading your case. You are free. You're reading your Bible enough. Do you pray enough? Do I do enough good deeds? Do you go to church enough? Do I give enough? They're all important, but they're not going to save you. It's not earning those things. It's a, you do those things as a result of what God has done. We get so busy, as Katie mentioned, about what we're doing. Let's not forget what God has done and what he's doing in our lives. He's saying, all I want is you. And then he's going to change you, and you can change the world. He didn't come into the world to condemn, it says, yet we can spend our lives feeling that way in condemnation. Am I good enough? Well, you're not, but God says Jesus into a world so the world is saved through him to have a relationship with the Father. Being born again is not about religion. It's about relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's the best part of being a Christian. Whatever life is thrown at you, good, bad, indifferent, whatever circumstances you don't understand, for all the questions that you may or may not have, I've got a relationship with Christ, and he'll see me through day to day, every day. And I think that's something we've learned over the last uh, uh, 15 months or so, that we don't know what tomorrow brings. And, and Jesus says, live with him, day by day, walking with Jesus. Wherever you are, don't be under the law, be under grace. Is it rules or is it love? One is angst, other is freedom. One is ought to, one is want to. So you might be looking at this or or looking at it online or here, feeling condemned. Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Maybe you've not responded in baptism and spirit. Well, we're going to be meeting together fairly regularly soon, which I'm really looking forward to, and we would love to open up that baptismal pool, and we would love... for someone to confess Jesus as Lord, my Jesus, my Saviour. Lord, there is none like you. And as they confess him, we pray for him, they're filled with the Spirit, and they go on to change the world around them. Jesus, the Saviour, our Saviour, is he your Saviour? If not, accept him, make it so today. Jesus is your Saviour, for God so loved the world that he gave his Son for you. It's personal as well. Nicodemus came to him in the darkness. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I'm going to pray for us and then lead us into communion. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for John's gospel. We thank you for its differences, the different different side we see of your ministry. And Lord, I pray this morning as we gather here and also online as well, that we'll make you once again Lord of our lives, that we'll walk humbly with you, that you'd fill us afresh with your spirit and you'd change us to become more like you. 
as churches reopen their doors across the world, Lord, I pray we won't lose the lessons that we've learned in these past times about loving our neighbours, about seeing the good things we can do as we just go about our daily business, about being Jesus to those around us. And we pray for all those Nicodemuses in our lives, often the ones that mock the most, that they will come to us, even if no one's looking, and start to ask the questions. And we can say to them what born again really means. May we live it. Lord, to do that, we need your spirit. We ask him to come as we prepare for communion, Lord. We pray you'll nourish us physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. In Jesus' name, amen.